one order of business before I get to the message, and that is my mom, who went to be with the Lord in January of last year, taught me to say thanks where thanks is due. And this church, hello, Petersons. <laughs> and Darjani's next to them. Friends for a long time from Long Beach. Yeah. She taught me to say thanks when thanks was due. And this church has invested in our, generously, in our ministry among college students for almost three decades now. And I want to say thank you. By God's grace, God has allowed us the privilege to see men and women enter the kingdom forever. He's given us the privilege of discipling students that are serving him around the world and in our nation, many different ways. What a privilege. And this, this body has stood with us significantly in that. So thank you very much. Okay, Psalm, Psalm 63 this morning. How do you respond in a tight spot? Do you fight? Take flight? Or do you cling? This morning as we look at Psalm 63, we're going to see what David wrote in a very, very difficult spot. To me, in my study, it wasn't clear whether it was running from a crazy king who he was serving, who was trying to kill him, or if it was the time when his son, who had usurped his throne and shamed him, was seeking to war against his father. I'm not sure which of the two it was, but either one of those situations a difficult spot. And that's, that's where David was when he wrote this psalm about 3,000 years ago. I think as we get into it, you will see how relevant it is for us today. And I'm going to tell you my goal in advance. My desire for this morning is that we will be inspired to seek God wherever we find ourselves in life. Whether we don't know him yet, which was my situation as a college freshman when I came into college, or if we've known him for 50, 60, 70 years, that we would be inspired to know him. And we're going to be looking at four reasons to seek God from this passage. But I, what I'd like to do now is pray, and I'm going to encourage you, carefully listen as I read Psalm 63. Because it's the word of God which is the highlight. So listen very carefully as I read Psalm 63. And I'll have some other passages we'll be uh, listening to. I I, I just want to give you a heads up. That's where you're really going to get 
what you have to get from this message. So will you join me as I pray before I read Psalm 63? Father, we do uh, look to you this morning. What a wonderful opportunity to gather together here to worship you, the God who is so worthy of worship. Father, we do pray specifically that you would lead us beyond mere formal duty and you would show us this morning once again your captivating beauty. Father, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would take your word and bring it to each life here for the purposes you have in it today. And Father, we look to you, dependent on you to do this as we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 63, and I am reading out of the New American Standard, the old New American Standard Bible. Before they changed the thee and thou, so these are still the these in my translation. Psalm 63, it's Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, thou art my God, I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. So I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember thee on my bed, I meditate on thee in the night watches. For thou hast been my help. And in the shadow of thy wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee. My, thy right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Psalm 63. We see the first reason to seek God in verse, verse 1. When God is our greatest desire, we will seek him. That's reason number one. When God is our greatest desire, we will seek him. And I worded that very specifically the way I worded it. I didn't say, God is our greatest desire, so we'll worship him. When he is our greatest desire, we'll we'll seek him. If you're like me, sometimes he is your greatest desire. And other times, he's not. I, again, desire this morning would be a morning that will inspire you from the word of God and me to seek him. You see that David, that's a chief pursuit of his life. Psalm 27.4, he writes, 
one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. That's his one thing. The question I ask as I read this and I see his earnest desire that's expressed in verse one, oh God, thou art my God, I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee. Why? Why is David like that? One thing that I think is a clue, if you just go up the page, depending on where it's in your Bible, or go over on the other side, Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, explains certainly some of the motivation in David's life, as he says this, my soul Wait in silence for God only. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That, I believe, speaks to why David so earnestly desired to seek God. God was his strength, his refuge, his salvation his hope. How about for us as people 3,000 years later? Certainly none of us have kings that we've served that are seeking to take our lives. None of us are kings that our child is seeking to usurp our throne. But friends, we have a desperate need for God. And just three quick things I think of when I think of my desperate need for God, our desperate need for God. Three things. One, we are in a spiritual battle. It's just that our enemy is unseen. We shouldn't be surprised that things happen to us. It's wartime. It's wartime. We're in a, in a battle against the devil and his, and his agents. Number two reason that we're desperate for God. Friends, we can't accomplish the purposes that God has for us without his power. We can't.
The third thing I wanted to say is from uh, what I would, what I thought of this week. This is the the Psalm 63 of the New Testament, in, in my opinion. This is this is Paul's expression of his desire for the Lord. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, he writes, "But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss." for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of their surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Two thoughts from this third reason. Number one, the only way that we can be righteous before a holy God or have a right relationship with a holy God is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is given to us in faith, by faith. And secondly, we have the opportunity to know the God of the universe intimately. Notice what Paul writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. As new covenant believers, those of us who have trusted Christ with the Holy Spirit living in us, we have the opportunity to know God and his ways. And that leads us to our second point in Psalm 63. Second reason to seek God because we want to behold the wonder of his beauty, the glory of his nature, his character. We want to know who God is. And notice what he writes in there. After he's talking about his earnest desire, he says, thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. As I thought about this, I wanted to read, and so I'm going to, three passages to you. One speaking about God's power. One speaking about God's glory. And one speaking about his loving kindness. So turn with me to Isaiah. Keep your finger in Psalm 63 or a bookmark or I don't know what you people that use your phones and you, you can't get a, keep a finger in your phone, but you can figure that out. You're smarter than me, that's for sure. Uh, but Isaiah, first one, God's power, Isaiah 40. And what I'm going to read is verses 15 through 26. An amazing passage speaking of God's power. 
Speaking of the nations, Isaiah writes, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. And are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for us burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman crafts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the vault of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble. Then God interjects, to whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth our hosts by number He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. God's power. God's glory, Walt already references this passage, Isaiah 6. And we'll read just verses 1 through 3. Get this view of God's glory. In the, king of, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full 
of his glory. Isaiah 53. Prophetic writing about Christ who would come 700 years later. Written about the suffering servant. Verses 3 through 6. That's what I'll read. Foreseeing Christ, it says, He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Friends, where are you going to find a love like that? You're not. The God of the universe, who has enjoyed perfect fellowship with his Son for all eternity, through whom he made the whole world, out of his love, sent him to make the way for rebellious people like me and you to know him for eternity. Friends, I have two, well, you know this, some of you, I have two children, two daughters. I love them. I, I can't see myself giving them for you. But the God of the universe gave his son for all of us. Back to Isaiah 63, I love, I love David's response as he talks about God's power and his glory and his love. He says, my lips will praise thee, so I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Amen. Reason number three to seek God is found in verse five. As as David writes, my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. The world may offer pleasure for a season. 
but the only place that the soul is going to be satisfied is in him. In Jeremiah, this is chapter 2, verse 13, you can see God's yearning heart for his people. As he says, for my people have committed two evils. Very descriptive passage here. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hold for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Do you get the picture? God is saying, hey, they can have me, a fountain of living waters that never runs dry, yet they choose broken cisterns that all they're going to get is mud and muck at the bottom. And I think this is one of the reasons why I'm so struck with God's mercy on my life. Because as an arrogant high school sophomore, I had a chance to come to know Christ. And I said, no. I don't want to put Christ first in my life. And what was my reason? I wanted to drink of that well of the world. I wanted to be a famous Rolls-Royce driving professional golfer So I said no to the God of the universe. You don't have to look in the scriptures very, very far to know that does not put you among a good place among people on this earth. God does not love arrogance. But God in his mercy planted, I had a praying mom, a praying sister. I'm sure my dad was probably praying for me as well. My brother wasn't praying yet, I don't think. God plopped me onto a dormitory floor at Washington State University in the fall of 1974 that had most, some of the most radical followers of Christ I've met to this day. And in a room of guys where the party was winding down, on the floor, guys sitting in various stages of drunkenness. Two of these guys on the floor had been praying while we were partying, and they came to the room where we were partying and asked, does anybody in here want to talk about Christ or Christianity? That morning, I heard the gospel. And I'm going to share it a little bit later if I can get there. Uh, And God gave me a second chance. And I'm going to talk about that good news of the gospel in our application. But reason number three, the thirsting soul is satisfied only, only in him. Reason number four, back to Psalm 63, God is our refuge in the storms of life. That's why we seek him.
That's another reason why we seek him. Verses 6 through 8. When I remember thee on my bed, I meditate on thee in the night watches. For thou hast been my help. And in the shadow of thy wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee. Thy right hand upholds me. He's our refuge in the storms of life. And we all, we all have storms. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. How do we respond in those storms? One of the storms this year for me was in, us was in February. And I would like to tell you my whole response was clinging and trusting. But I have to be honest with you. I had one night, well, a couple nights that week, one of the hardest nights of our, our, our hardest weeks of our life, actually. Not in our relationship. Kathy and I are good. And Kathy was sleeping peacefully while I was struggling. Probably tells you something there. But I was a combination of angry because I wanted to fight in, in this particular situation and flight because of great fear. And yet, I was trying to trust and I know some great verses that I had, have memorized. But what that shows me is I still have a ways to go in learning how to trust. I hope that's not a great discouragement for you. You know, I've been a believer since November of 1974. And for me, I'm certainly still on the way. But friends, as we know God, the more we know him, the more we're going to trust him. And boy, is that a reason to seek him. Psalm 910, psalmist writes, those who know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, O Lord, hast not forsaken those who seek thee. As we know him, we know his character, we'll, we'll trust him. I'd like to close with some possible thoughts of application for us. Uh, one hits at this desire. We can ask God for it. Pray for it. That God will give you that kind of desire. And one word, don't beat yourself up if you don't make all your applications of what you want to do seeking God. Just keep seeking. You know, your, your application may be, I want to read the word every day this year. You might miss some days. Keep seeking. Keep seeking him. Ask God to put in that desire. Secondly, the best way I know to seek the Lord is to spend time with him. That's just the best way I get 
know how to get to know him? Have you thought about how do we really know God? Yes, he is revealed in general revelation through what he's made. But the main way we get to know God is he is revealed to us in the pages of this holy book that God has preserved for us. So I'd encourage you, keep at getting time with him. Spending time in the word and spending time in prayer. I want to tell you what I do, not that you have to do this. You might have many other things that are helpful for you, but this is what's been really helpful for me, is I read through the whole Bible. I won't explain all the details, but not from Genesis to Revelation. I have places where I have my devotional time daily, and then I have some places I try to read at other times to get through the whole Bible. But what I do is I try to thoughtfully consider one chapter a day, except if it's a psalm like 119. I don't think that in a day. 150, 76 verses, a little bit much in one day. So one, one chapter, read through it three times. One, just to get the general sense of what it's saying. Two, to try to turn in, tune in to what is the Lord really highlighting for me this day? And then thirdly, I've got a pen in my hand and I've got my little ruled paper that I take simple notes. Not exhaustive Bible study notes that you know, I could spend hours in Psalm 63. Don't have that luxury every day. But simple notes. And how that helps me, I'm a, I'm a daydreamer. And I find that when I engage the paper with my pen, I can focus. This has been so helpful to me over the years. And at that pace, it takes me a little over two years to read the Bible. So I don't make it every year, but I'm okay with that. because I can focus on listening to him and delighting in him in my time with him. Three. You may be here this morning. I don't know everyone. You may be here this morning and you haven't trusted Christ yet. A possible application for you could be this is the morning that you place your faith in Christ. Hear his invitation. This is John 7, 37 and 38. Jesus says, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This invitation comes through the good news of the gospel which I'm going to briefly share with those guys, the core of what the guys shared with me that freshman year. The good news of the gospel actually starts with bad news. Romans 3.23, Paul records, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. That's all of us. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And God is also a just God. And because he's a just God, there's a, there's a penalty for that sin. And in Romans 6, 23, first half of the verse says, for the wages of sin is death. 
but I have got great news to share with you this morning. God is also a God of love. Romans 5, 8, Paul writes, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man has two problems. Boil it down to it, man has two problems. Sin and death. Christ covers our sin on the cross and conquered death by raising from the dead. What we're left is to respond to him in faith. Romans 10.9 explains how we can do that. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Two things listed in that response. One, do you believe in your heart these things? Is there that conviction that God raised Christ from the dead? If there is, have you confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord? And I don't know how we can confess Jesus as Lord without inviting him to come and be the Lord of our lives. Walt, in a minute, is going to come up with the final song. You could pray. This isn't a magic bullet prayer, but you could pray a prayer as simple as, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Please come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. You could do that today. And if you're interested in that and not quite at the place where you want to make that commitment, what an opportunity we have this summer with Christianity Explored to consider who Christ is with others. Kenny talked about it in the announcement. I'm sure you could join that Monday night if you're interested, 6 o'clock. Free dinner, child care, sitting with others, looking at the Gospel of Mark with others. Great opportunity. The final thing I want to suggest, this trust in God doesn't stop with salvation. We need to continue to trust him. Some of you may be like me. You deal with trust issues. A word of encouragement. Psalm 94, 19, the psalmist writes, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me thy consolations delight my soul I'm just sharing from my life it's hardest for me in the middle of the night you can, you can ask my wife sometimes I wake her up from a, a, a peaceful sleep that's the hardest time for me but I have memorized some verses of God's consolations And so my desire is to replace my anxious thoughts with God's consolations so I can trust him. I'd encourage you, if you have those issues, do the same. Take some passages that really speak to you of God's power and how you can trust him. Commit them to memory so God can use them by the Holy Spirit in your life. So four reasons to seek God. 
Number one, when he's our greatest desire, we will seek him. Number two, to behold the wonder of his beauty and his nature. Number three, because a thirsting soul is satisfied only in him. And finally, he's our refuge in the storms of life. Will you pray with me? Lord, we do look to you. And Father, we pray that uh, by your Holy Spirit, you would, you would be at work in each, each one of our lives for the purposes you have in this time. Thank you for who you are. Lord, you are so worthy of all praise and glory. And Lord, our, our best attention. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace that you meet us where we are. And Lord, we know that we uh, fall short of per- perfection. But God, you work in us by your grace. Continue that. Lord, may we be a generation that seeks your face. In Jesus' name, amen.